0: Good morning, everyone. He is risen. Caught you off guard, didn't I? Let's try that again. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Welcome. My name is Jason Conner, Lee, pastor of Portico Church, and it is my privilege to be with you this morning as we worship together our risen Lord. Know this, across the country, across this world this morning, there are churches like us that are worshiping like us the risen King Together. And this Easter is like no other I've experienced, and I believe this is just an incredible opportunity for us to see the gospel, maybe like we've never seen it before. Listen, the, the world has gone quiet, hasn't it? It's given us a chance to listen. The carousel of life has stopped. This this is no coincidence. God has done this for us to see something, friends. And this generation this is your moment, this is an opportunity for us to see life in a way we've never seen it before. Friends, we will have, if we, if we listen, we will have a moment of clarity to stop and to see life, to see this, this faith or this call to death that the gospel calls us to and the resurrection of Jesus. We'll see it. Let's do that together. Uh, do you remember last week uh, we had this super moon and many of us were outside taking pictures because it was so beautiful against the night sky. Well, hear this, the moon wasn't any bigger last Tuesday. I promise you that. Um, What happened was, in its elliptical orbit around Earth, it was about 17,000 miles closer. Therefore, on a dark night, if you were lucky enough to get away from the clouds, The moon was massive. You could see the structure and the topography and the craters. It was magnificent. The contrast stood out. This is the same moment for us. We have lost so much. We have lost our freedom. And as Americans, that's heresy. We have lost our wealth and we're losing our health. And more than that, we don't know what the future holds. We're isolated. Stop. Stop and see what God has for you. The gospel will live in contrast today on this Easter, like it never has. So we're gonna pick up on the Easter narrative that we started on Good Friday, but I want you to look how many times this narrative says, see or behold, and do it, do it with me. We're gonna stop and see three things today. One is we're gonna see our own life. Let's take an honest assessment. Oh, but I'm already a Christian. No, no, this is for all of us, friends. For those that you are maybe seekers or maybe you tuned in because it's Easter, Let's take an honest assessment. So stop and see your life. Secondly, stop and see faith or what we call this death because faith is a call to death and we'll explain that. And also stop and see this resurrection in fresh light. This is an opportunity for us as everything has stopped, as distractions are gone to hear this. So would you do that with me? Uh, We're gonna be in Matthew chapter 27. We'll start at 61, pretty much where we left off on Good Friday. And just to pick you up on the narrative as if we need to do that, uh, Jesus has has been crucified on a Friday, died Friday afternoon. Uh, The body was given to Joseph of Arimathea, who is a wealthy man who loved Jesus. And he's put him in a tomb. And uh, we're going to pick up right there. This is in verse 61 of chapter 27, Gospel of Matthew. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary were sitting there opposite the tomb, meaning they saw him go into the tomb. Pilate said to them, you have a guard of soldiers, go make it as secure as you can. So they went and made the tomb secure by sealing the stone and setting a guard. Now after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, so this would have been Sunday morning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, Do not be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, He is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I've told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Always saying this. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you um, as a people in church in need, as a, as a nation in pain, as a world that is shocked. Dear Heavenly Father, we know you are in command. Our prayer now is that you would grab our hearts, that you would open up your word in your mercy, that we might behold its treasure, that we might receive its truth and embody it and never be the same. Lord, may you create worshipers today. In the name of Jesus, amen. So let's not lose this moment. Let's stop and see our life. Let's stop and see death, the death that faith calls for. And let's stop and see this resurrection. So first, our life. Friends, and I say this with all respect, We are living in the illusion of autonomy. Has COVID-19 not taught us that? Things can vanish in an instant. What are the assumptions we have in this illusion of autonomy and being our own gods? Well, the assumption is this, and this is for Christians and everybody, we assume that God does not exist and that we are free to live for our own glory instead of pursue His glory, and that God's grace, His gift of grace is nice, but not necessary. Everybody struggles with this. Christians, everybody. We assume this because the idea is that if I am free from God, I am free to be me. If I am free from external rules and authorities, especially God, I am free to be me. This is why Jesus was crucified. You need to know this. It was because he put in danger that the way they wanted to live their lives. They had an own righteousness of themselves. They had his law. They didn't need God. So this is the illusion of autonomy. And the idea is either God needs to get on board with my agenda or he needs to get out. Either he brings me what I want, something that's helpful for me, or he needs to go. This is why Jesus was crucified. Now, he gave up his life willingly to save, but this is our natural reaction. Do you remember Friedrich Nietzsche, um, a philosopher, German philosopher back in the 18th century? He wrote the book, The Death of God. Friends, that was the capstone of the Enlightenment. That was was the transition to, hey, I am God. In fact, the only way to live free is to live only by my desire and to have nothing external push upon me. Um, This is where we are, friends, and this is an absolute illusion. We were designed by God to live in a love-trust relationship with Him to, to know Him, to enjoy Him, to pursue His glory, to live on His grace. And when we don't do that, we spin out of control. So this is our life, This stop and see that. Let's look at Peter and Pilate for a minute because I think they can give us some light in what this looks like and what this feels like. Now the Apostle Peter, um, he was a strong dude and his strength got in the way of what God wanted to do in his life. In fact, Peter's idea of freedom, of true eternal life was, If I can do enough things for God, if my strength is strong enough, God will never leave me. He actually believed that. Um, And that's very possible for us. um, For those of you who have good self-will and discipline, you will believe that you're strong enough and that if you do enough for God, He will love you. Let me take you back a page to chapter 26 in the Gospel of Matthew. And this is right after Jesus um, has the Good Supper or the uh, Last Supper with his, His disciples. And it says in verse 30, And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. And then Jesus said to them, You will all fall away because of me this night. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I'm raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Hear this. Peter answered him, Though they fall because of you, I will never fall away. Jesus said to him, Truly, I tell you, This very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Peter said to him, even if I must die with you, I will never deny you. And all the disciples said the same. Friends, you are prone to find your security and your meaning and your significance horizontally. You will look at other people and justify yourselves like Peter said. His idea is, if I'm a good enough person, if I do enough for God, he will never leave me. He has got it completely backwards. He wasn't going to die for Jesus. Jesus was going to die for him. He was completely missing the idea of grace. I will tell you, friends, your strength and your goodness will keep you away from God more than your sin will. So, the Apostle Peter struggled with that. Let's look at Pilate for a minute. Um, He was the governor of Jerusalem. He was a Roman governor. He'd been there a long time, and his job was to keep the peace. And if you know anything about uh, ancient Near East and Roman history, Pax Romana, the peace of Rome, came with extreme violence. So they would tolerate almost anything, but if you disturbed the peace, they would come down on you with swift violence. And this is how it worked. So what Pilate wanted is he wanted something from God. So it's not what I can do for God. It's what I can get from God. He wanted the peace to be kept. The reason he killed Jesus isn't because he thought he deserved it. It's because there was an uprising. The peace was getting disturbed, and it would make him look bad to the Caesar. A good way to lose your position as a governor, which was very profitable because you got to collect taxes, is to let an uprising happen. This happened several times. So he wanted something from God. He wanted peace. And so he turned over Jesus. Listen, every one of us, if you stop and look at your life, we are looking for life in everything but God. God bless that we have lost things. It's awful, yes? But stop and see what you're holding on to. Stop and see what you're relying on. Are you living your life for his glory? Do you assume that he exists, but maybe not for you? And I'm living for my glory, and it's nice if God can help me for that. And his grace is nice, but not necessary. No, no, no. That's an illusion, friend. That comes to a swift end. So stop and see that. Stop and see that. Um, And this call to faith is a call to death. It is. It's a call to die to self and to live to God. Let's understand that. So, let's stop and see what this death of faith is because it's beautifully modeled by Mary Magdalene. So, this death. um, First, what it means to die to self or to walk in faith is this. You are placing trust in God's Promise, and many people say, "Well, what did God promise?" He promises a lot of things, but the essence or the thesis of the entire Bible, from beginning to end, is, "I will be your God; you will be my people; and I will dwell with you." And that was fully accomplished in God with us, who is Jesus, who came as God in the flesh to reconcile us to God the Father. And we'll get to that. But it's placing trust in God's promise period. And what you have to wrap your head around is when you place your trust in something, you're removing your trust from something else. Let's see how that works. Now, Mary Magdalene, uh, she, she had, Jesus had delivered her from some demons. And I think it was Luke 8, verse 2. You can go back there and check that out. So, she had experienced deliverance from evil by Jesus himself. She had received grace. She had seen the glory of God up close and personal, and it changed her life. She was never the same, so she followed Jesus. She worshiped him. So, where was she? Well, she was at the mock trial of Jesus. She was there uh, when they accused him uh, without any cause. She was at his execution, what we call the crucifixion. He died on a Roman cross, which was the most horrific, shameful way to die. Today, it would be like killing somebody publicly, you know, like along 495 where everybody's going to see him. It was a public shameful execution. She was there because she loved him. He was her Lord. And lastly, as you saw in verse 61, she was there with another Mary because apparently there's a lot of Marys back then. She was there when they put Jesus in the tomb. She watched him go into the tomb. Well, why does this, this matter? She had given up everything for him. She was all in. On the promise of salvation in Jesus. She'd experienced it. She was all in. She believed completely. So when she watched Jesus go into that tomb, she lost everything. Everything. Think about the things we're losing right now. Think about the pain and the fear and the anxiety that that causes. Maybe you've even lost somebody. Think about that for a minute she lost everything. All of her hope was anchored in the words of Jesus and the actions and works of Jesus. And he was killed. And he was put into a tomb. And yet she's there. So she places trust in him over her circumstances, in his promise over her feelings, in his promise over what's happening around her, in his promise over what other people are saying about Jesus. And how do we know that? And here's the dying to self. She acts on God's promise. Um, let me just pick that back up. Verse, chapter 28, verse 1, right where we started. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Now, we might say, well, maybe they were just feeling sad. Maybe. But as we get further narrative from the angel as he speaks, they're seeking Jesus. So she shows up. No, there's no other disciples there. Would you have been there? Would I have been there? Probably not. Her experience of grace and glory was so magnificent. Her belief in Christ was so solid. She shows up at the tomb. So this death to self requires dying to every other thing that communicates to us, that compels us, that even drives our feelings to anchor ourselves in the promises, in the work of God. She shows up at the tomb Sunday morning after the Sabbath. She goes there. And you see a total reversal. So her faith is greatly rewarded. Can we just go there for a minute? Um, First of all, it says the angel was sitting. This is part of the reversal. This is part of how she was rewarded for her faith. Is that odd to you? That an angel comes down, yes, that should be odd, that doesn't happen very often, but the angel comes down, which is very common when God is announcing something big, there's nothing bigger than the resurrection, rolls the stone away, either causes an earthquake or an earthquake happens, and then this angel proceeds to just sit on the stone. I'm going to tell you that's weird. It should feel weird. Here's what I think's going on. Do you remember that when Pilate commanded them to seal the tomb, he would have pinned either a clay or a wax seal and stamped it with the insignia of Rome? That's so if the stone is rolled away, which would have been in a slot in front of the cave, in front of the tomb, it would have broken the seal. So the angel breaks the seal and then he sits on it. See, the seal of Rome is authority. Don't touch this tomb or else we'll execute you, or you'll be answer to us. The angel sits on it. It's a power play. It's like there's a power greater than Pilate at work here, and God's plan is not going to be thwarted. Secondly, it's not Jesus who's a dead man. The guards, it says, are like dead men. So we might have expected, maybe even Mary expected to see Jesus dead because it's, they really didn't understand what resurrection meant at that point in time or that he would be coming back to life. But instead, she sees an angel that's sitting on the Roman seal, probably sitting on the stone, and she sees the guards who are trained military professionals acting like dead men. They're the ones who are dead. And lastly, the angel comforts Mary and her friend. Comforts them. Hey, don't fear. Don't fear. Do not fear. Provision given by God through his messenger. That's what an angel is. And this angel's just sitting there. Hey, how you guys doing? Yeah, he's not here, but, but you came to the right spot. So th- this is beautiful. So there's, she gives up. She loses her life. She, she dies to self. She goes to that tomb in pain and in sorrow, somehow believing God is going to answer his promise. And he does it in a way that blows everybody's mind, especially hers. Um, let me just tell you, this is not a good week for me. Uh, I kind of had to die to Easter, and here's what I mean by that. Everybody's frustrated, everybody's experiencing anxiety, everybody's getting deep sadness or depression that comes in waves. Um, As you can see, I'm in my living room right now. I am not in the office, and we had had the freedom to have our tech team, our media team, just do a, a great work at the office and have the worship team together. But for very good reasons, we're not doing that um, for a few weeks, or until we feel like we're ready to do that, or it's 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 a smart thing to do. And I cannot tell you, I was, I was borderline bitter. I was sad. I was frustrated, and um, I, I just I, I had a hard time letting that die because I enjoyed it so much. Um, and here's what God, here's what God very blatantly reminded me of. Hey, Jason. Easter is not about what your church can do. Easter is about what I have already done. That is the truth. I had to die to that. Now that seems like a very ridiculous thing, um, but it was just, for me, for me, it was just another loss in a string of losses, and it really bothered me. It really bothered me. But here's the fact. Because we are online right now, God is getting this message to probably three to four times what we could do in our building. We're seeing people that are growing in Christ. We're seeing God open up ways to meet his people that are exceeding what we can do. This is his gospel, not ours. So stop and see this call to death. Where is he calling you to die to self and trust him? And stop and see the last thing here is resurrection. Now you expect to hear this on Sunday, on Easter Sunday, don't you? First, I want you to know a few things about his resurrection. One is this, it is physical. His resurrection is physical. Do we need to say that? Um, verse, Chapter 28, verse 6 here, the angel says, He is not here, for he has risen, as he said. So I'm not sure what they were expecting to see or how God would answer his promise, but he's not there. Now, initially, that could have caused fear, but we just want to see his body. We just want to know he's there. But if they heard the rest of the words that the angel said, he is not here, for he has risen, as he told you. See, so she, she was believing those words. One way or another, God was going to work this out. So his resurrection is physical. Now, when I, I have always assumed for some reason, and this is kind of embarrassing, that the angel rolled the, tomb, the stone away so Jesus could get out of the tomb. He didn't do that. Do you you understand this? The angel came as a messenger, not to Jesus, but to everyone else. So the angel rolls the tomb open for Mary and her friend. Go see it. Listen, faith requires evidence, friends. It's not just an empty idea. I sure hope God's real. No, go see where we put him. Go see where Joseph of Arimathea put him. He's not there because he's risen. Remember, he told you. So, the angel rolls away the stone simply to, prevent, to present physical evidence of, of the resurrection of Jesus. This is stunning, and you need to understand this, Christian, or anyone who's considering the claims of the gospel. The gospel is not about just hoping this all works out. You have faith in a historical event, you can say, well, I wasn't there, obviously, but we have, we have eyewitness, we have accounts of Jesus and faith is believing that. So, it is a physical resurrection that's absolutely important. Understanding that faith requires evidence. Um, Well, what kind of evidence? You see it in all four gospels. Um, You see different accounts of Jesus' resurrection. Uh, First of all, if they were trying to make a fraud here, they did a really bad job of it because their first witnesses were women. And in that day and age, in the ancient Near East, their testimony was not normally legal in court. So that was a bad move on their part. Um, Pilate, listen, the reason they put Pilate in the creed that we just said this morning, why that was a, a, a core part of the creed, and the reason he's named, is because they named names. You could read this and go back and say, hey, did this happen during Pilate's reign? Oh yeah, let's look in the history book. Oh yeah, we actually know somebody in his administration. We can tell you for a fact that Jesus was executed, and yeah, we saw him later. So they named names because it wasn't a hidden secret. In fact, Paul, in Acts 26, 26, when he's giving his testimony before another Roman governor, Festus, because he was in trouble too, he said, listen everybody, this did not happen in a corner of the world. This happened in the center of the world, in the Roman Empire. Everybody knows this. You can go ask people. My testimony is true. Christ is risen. So you have to understand, when you're having faith, you're having faith in a physical resurrection, and faith requires evidence. It's just not a empty, an empty hope. And it's total victory, friends. You need to understand this. No matter who you are, there's one thing you can't solve, and it's death. And we understand that Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is so important, because the death of Jesus is total victory in this way. He suffers hell for us. We're getting a little bit of hell now, are we not, in isolation? If being isolated is a small appetizer of hell, understanding that hell is eternal separation from God, Jesus takes that on, being God the Son, bearing the weight of our sin. He takes that on, and He dies a death on our account, raises for our justification, God stamps that vindication. So Mary's faith in Jesus is completely vindicated in his resurrection, his physical resurrection, and it's total victory in this way. You no no longer have an enemy in death. Nobody can get out of it. But as a Christian, if you're in Christ, death is not the end. Death actually smashes open the door to future glory and present joy. If that's what death does to you, then even suffering in life is like, it's not fun, but we can endure it. So death is not the worst outcome in your life. That, that, my friend, is total victory, and he gives us eternal life. The resurrection of Jesus is eternal life. Maybe you've heard this before. Hope is not a strategy. Well, it's right. It's not. The type of hope, we say, we just have an empty hope. But faith is that strategy because we are anchoring ourselves to Christ. Um, and maybe you're saying, if you're a skeptic, and, and honestly, all of us struggle with doubt, and all of us have been a skeptic at one point, can say, well, you can't prove it, can you? Well, maybe not. It is faith. You're trusting in a historical account. But have you ever spoken to somebody that has died and come back? I'm not, not talking about somebody who's died for 20 minutes and wrote a book about it. I'm talking about somebody who's died for a while and come back. And says, oh, I can tell you exactly what matters in life. Because if you can't, then neither can you. We're all outside of Christ. We all are, are just taking our best guess at how this ends. Jesus came to say, it ends with me. Death ends with me. Trust me. Let me take your sin. Let me take your death. Let me restore you to God the Father. Let me pour out God the Holy Spirit on your life. Let me save let me save. Stop and see His resurrection. His resurrection. Friend, the world is quiet. What are you listening to? This carousel of life has stopped, even for a moment. What have you put your eyes on? What have you put your eyes on? See this. Jesus came for you. Stop, see, and surrender to him. And this is for all of us. Surrender to him. Believe him when he says, I've come because I love you. I came to lay my life down for you. Believe that. Abandon sin. That's what repenting is. Abandon misplaced trust in all those things you thought would save you and make your life significant and give you peace. Abandon those. Embrace Christ. Believe Him and receive salvation. There's one road to peace. It's through the death and life of Jesus Christ. Do that. Do it now. Pray to Him. Ask for that. And if you're a Christian who's put your trust in other things, repent of it. Trust in Jesus. And if you're like, I want that right now, and I've never really been, ask Him personally. Ask Him for forgiveness. He will give it to you right now. And if you do that, I'm just going to ask you to go on our website and hit the button that says, I'm new here. And it's just a little form. And we'll get back to you. We'd like to help you walk out this faith, this new faith you have in Christ. So stop, see, and surrender. Evaluate your life, friend. Um, Walk in death. The gospel calls us to die to self and be alive to God. And it's all possible because our King is risen. He is risen. He is risen indeed. Would you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you and praise you that you, you have done this. Easter is not about what the church can do. Easter is about what you have done to seek and to save and to bring life through the death of Jesus and your resurrection, God, is our hope. So we thank you for that. I pray that you build trust, that you would use this, this season, God build new faith, and to grow your people in faith and in numbers. In the name of Jesus, amen.